Welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Richard Thornton. Uh, Richard has been an active real estate lender and investor over the last 30 years. So lots of experience. He co-founded a commercial mortgage banking company that had about an $8 billion in a portfolio and assets under management and was sold in 2000. So that I'm sure that went very well. And, uh, and he has syndicated senior facilities, flipped houses, and has been doing hard money lending. Uh, for the last six, six years, that has been kind of his focus, has been as a managing principal of American Node Capital. And uh, so he's basically doing mortgage note investing nationwide. He does about 50 to 75 of these transactions annually. So Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks, Eric. I'm glad to uh, to join you and uh, look forward to our conversation and answering uh, people's questions. Yeah. So, um, so there's a few things definitely that I want to touch on. Uh, you know, and we're gonna get to that definitely. The, the the seniors facilities. This is something that I had looked at before, and it is uh, it is a very interesting space for me. I'm still interested in that. Uh, and then also the uh, the note 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 business note industry and how to think very creatively about um about lending about borrowing money it could be hard money lender it could be private private money lenders or all kinds of things so i always like to talk about about that be more creative on the lending side but before we get to all that tell us a little bit more about kind of like yourself your your journey into that into the flipping and why why you decide to go into hard money lending and senior facilities all right. So a quick thumbnail is, is that when I came out of uh, school, I got a master's in finance, decided I wanted to be in real estate and really focused on syndicating properties. At that point, I was working for a large home builder that was doing syndications. And we started uh, a small savings and loan, uh, which um, actually in the savings and loan crisis went belly up. Was, oh yeah, that's what I was wondering about that. <laughs> <laughs> With everything out of that. Oh, uh, really? But, wow. But in a true um, uh, Phoenix situation, uh, a partner and I started our own uh, commercial lending uh, group. And we did, for the most part, uh, larger loans, $10 million, uh, minimum size uh, yeah. all over the country. And it worked out very well, as you noted. I we sold that uh, in about 2000 with an eight billion dollar portfolio. So we were actually at that point um, larger than some small SNLs. Nice. Uh, it was a small uh, boutique firm, and out of that, I started lending on seniors' facilities, larger facilities, and found out about them. Mm-hmm. Found out about the the numbers, how they how they worked, and. When we sold the company, I went to a number of my clients and said, hey, how'd you like to do deals, be investors? So at that point, we, would, we were doing triple net leases. So we would approach Sunrise Senior Living or whatever operator it was. Uh, let's say a typical building would be a $20 million purchase. I would raise $5 million. I'd go out and get financing for fifteen, and mm-hmm. we would own it as a syndication for yeah. 10 or 12 years. Uh, at that point, operators really liked to do that because they were making higher profit margins on their operations yeah. than they were on their real estate. Exactly. Um, funny little thing called the recession came along after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as part of that, I 
thought, well, I've still got some clients who are fairly well off. Let's start a little hard money fund. So I had an informal fund and I had uh, anywhere from four to $6 million out at a time. Most of my renovations were smaller. So that was actually a fairly decent volume. Mm -hmm. And from that found out about uh, making, uh, actually purchasing mortgage notes, which is what I'm doing now, both yeah. performing and non-performing. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So let's talk about, let's dive into the, the senior housing. Um, so in, in my book, uh, Stop Trading Your Time for Money, I kind of like, I touched on that on senior facilities and also medical buildings and stuff like that as a way to get uh, passive income. Um, and, but I kind of, I put them in a quadrant uh, a, along with, you know, mobile home park, along with uh, PML, hard money lending and uh, owning, you know, turnkey rental properties. Um, and so tell, tell us a little bit more about kind of like, what do you think, what it, does it take in order to, in terms of time, I always look at the resources that you need in order to get these things off the ground. A lot of the people that, a lot of the investors, they have a full-time job, so they don't have that much time to get, get started on some of these strategies because they, they're very time consuming or they don't have that much money um, to get started. So tell us more about uh, what does it take to get started into senior housing facilities as an investor uh, in terms of time, resources, any kind of special skills that you need or team, team members that you need to have on the ground? Okay, so if you want to get, I'll split the, the market into larger facilities and smaller facilities. Mm -hmm. Smaller facilities are usually what's called board and care. Uh, the larger facilities, uh, if somebody wants to invest in those, I would suggest that they uh, go to any a number of the different um, REITs, real estate investment trusts that are out mm -hmm. there and invest through them because frankly, uh, the the dollar amounts are just too large to get into those. As I said before, oh, even for those, I, even for the small one, it's too large. Yeah, I would, uh, I would, I would. Uh, you know, that's that's an easy way for your clients, your your listeners to get in, which mm -hmm. is actually invest in a REIT or a group that's owning large facilities. So yeah. that's the large end of the market. If they want to be a little more active and get into the smaller end of the market, which is facilities that range anywhere from six beds. Uh, which can be a large house yeah. um, up to 36 or 50 beds, anything uh, like that. Uh, they can put those deals together themselves if mm -hmm. they want. Uh, they would probably have to do it with somebody else. They have to be a little more active. There are some uh, syndicators out there that do focus on the smaller end of the market. Mm -hmm. And for that, you can probably get it for $50,000 or something like that. But again, mm -hmm. it's going to be a syndication. Yeah. If they want to be really active, uh, then what I would suggest is uh, just looking in their local area, stay local uh, and find out what some of the board and care facilities are in their mm -hmm. area, find out who owns them uh, and talk to them and yeah. say, look, can you tell me about what's going on in this area? Because it's a really small group and they know yeah. exactly what's going on. And actually uh, I think you can start your own board and care facility Mm -hmm. uh, if you have a house, like a six bedroom house or something like that, um, it has to be configured correctly. In other words, yeah. it can't be a two story house or yeah, anything yeah. like this, but lots of times you can buy a four bedroom and split some of the rooms to make it into six, th this type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
find out who some of the local operators are. There's a, yeah. the, um, the, the, not to single any, you know, ethnic group out here, but the Filipino uh, community tends to be very effective and do yeah. a very good job uh -huh. in this area. So you can contact with an operator that does that. And then if you do that, they can operate it. You lease the building to them on a triple net basis. They're mm. responsible for uh, all the operations. Yeah. You don't have to get licensed for doing that. And it's a mm -hmm. much uh, better execution for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So uh, yeah, definitely, because you don't want to get into owning the nursing uh, a bit part of the operation. I mean, you don't, unless you have the skills necessary for that, you want to get an operator uh, and then they, they run their business and they just rent the property from you. And then triple net, the advantage of triple net obviously is that they pay all the operation. They pay the property taxes, they pay the utilities, they pay, they pay everything. So that's, uh, that's the advantage of that for sure. Yeah. Even if it's only a double net where mm -hmm. you're having to do the roof or, or something like that, mm -hmm. that's fine. There's a, a lot yeah. of different ways to carve this, but the point is, as you accurately said, you don't want to be part of the operations at all. There's all sorts mm -hmm. of licensing yeah. problems. Um, I shouldn't say problems, situations that you have to go through. Yeah. And the, the typical real estate investor is just not equipped to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and exactly. And then the, um, the other thing too, that uh, it's when I was looking at it, it was also pretty complicated in terms of there was nursing homes, there was uh, uh there was like senior facilities. There was some. There was all kinds of different levels of care in in that space, and every state was a little bit different into how they categorized the uh, the different care that was needed. Some of them needed uh, a doctor on on board. Some others needed, uh, uh, you know, they didn't need to have a doctor. Uh, some, you know, so there was different level of cares that were needed there. So, right. So the hmm. big distinction used to be that. Um, it was considered more or less a nursing home or a nursing facility if the staff had to give shots. So if you had to get some sort of insulin or anything like that, any shots that made it a nursing home, otherwise it was just assisted living. Okay. Got a little bit murkier now because you can have an assisted living, you can have an independent living, mm -hmm. but you can bring in a home healthcare person to give you shots. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> um, that's, that's now quite common and yeah. actually is a little bit less expensive for the client if they are in assisted living and somebody just drops by to give them a shot twice a day yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so that, that's, that's very good. So uh, basically recommendation, if you think anybody's interested into the nursing or senior home facilities is really find an operator first and start building the, the relationship there and ask them kind of like what, what they want, uh, what they need in order for, um, you know, in terms of real estate, do they need more help? Yeah, homes? Where exactly. They because they, they may say, well, we have X number of parts of town covered, because mm -hmm. usually these have uh, a lot of facilities have like a five mile radius, meaning mm. they could service people from farther away. Yeah. But if you have your mom in a facility, you don't want to drive more than five miles to put her there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you have a circumference. So they could say, well, if you could buy a home in this part of town or this part of town, it would give you an advantage and I would be more likely to uh, lease from you. Mm -hmm. So things like that. 
Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And they could they could also probably share the configuration that they're looking for. Uh, oh, for sure, right? Mm -hmm. So the, all the details. So it, it and it is it is significant. So I mean, even the uh, the renovations that are needed and all of that is a little bit more extensive, I would say, than if you just do a regular flip or if you do like a, a burr strategy where you're you're basically renovating a home for rentals. Uh, these are more, um, yeah, these, these are more exhaustive. You have to have like, a, obviously a ramp uh, to, uh, you have to have special doors and all of that and, you know, and restrooms and handrails and all of that. Exactly. You have to have handrails. You have to have 36 wide, door, wide yeah. doors. You have to have uh, ramps. Yeah. Um, it, that part of it can get expensive. Yeah, exactly. So that's why a little bit more money is that is going to be needed up front, maybe to uh, to get that off the ground. Sometimes this is something that you can tag along on on your uh, your lease as well with uh, if you build to use or renovate for their for their own per personal use. So that's something that maybe you can discuss with your your assisted living provider to kind of like bump up the rent to pay for these these renovations. But yeah, so Correct. yeah, so a little bit more more extensive. But in the end, what are we looking at in terms of a typical uh, cash on cash return, I would say after you've done your financing, what could you be looking at? Well, that's, that's actually one of the, the nice things. I, I think you can certainly start out at a 10%. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you build in um, CPI increases, consumer price index increases, yeah over uh, you have to look at these as long-term uh, rentals yeah. i mean you're not nobody wants to do all this and be in and out in five years yeah, exactly yeah but you can build uh rent increases in there and you know over the course of uh i don't know five years something like that you can beat a 12 or 15 percent return which mm -hmm. is pretty nice yeah that's very nice yeah and also these these this is a tenant imagine you have a tenant uh that assisted living group they're renting it and they're not going to rent it for one year or two years. They're going to want to rent it for five years, 10 years or more. Yeah. I would say right. more like 10 to 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so you have a solid tenant in there. So in your lease, you want to make sure that you, you build in the um, inflation adjustment and, and whatnot in there. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that, that sounds like a very interesting strategy, I think. Uh, and I think that's the right approach. I mean, it's really getting to network with these people and then find out what they need, especially from my perspective, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, so it's, it's, I don't really know exactly what they need, what kind of configuration they need in which area, like you mentioned. So, you know, so that's a good approach. So if, if any of you uh, are listeners interested in that, just go and search for uh, these these kinds of organization and start networking with them. The other thing too that I was uh, very interested about is that you decided to go into uh, into the notes notes business, and I know that you have uh, I mean you have a lot of experience. You have a master's in finance and all of that, so you already know all the all the ins and outs uh, of that. So it was probably a natural fit for you to end up being. Uh, as a notes investor at the end. Um, so tell us a little bit about, about that, about that transition into, uh, into the notes business with American Note Capital. So, uh, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I was a hard money lender and being a hard money lender is pretty straightforward. As, as you know, you're, you're looking at the, the real estate, you're probably at 65, 70% loan to value. Uh, you're putting the money in, in 
charging whatever rate and you're in and out hopefully in, in a year. Mm-hmm. Notes though, even performing notes can be very different, mm-hmm. very different animal. Uh, you have a whole lot more flexibility as a mortgage lender yeah. than you usually would. One of the advantages of uh, being a, a note investor is that even if somebody defaults, and that's the, the I always talk about the big D, the mm-hmm. default, because that's what yeah. everybody's afraid of. Yeah, You have flexibility. When I look mm-hmm. at, a, at a note and underwrite a note, and I should say that whether I'm uh, investing in a note for myself, or I think I'm going to broker it, I assume that it's going to be in my portfolio. Mm-hmm. The reason is, is it might be for a long time. I have a lot of notes that will sit there for three or four years, and somebody will finally decide that they want to buy either a partial, which can make a very good return for somebody, just sort of a set it and forget it, yeah. or a, a whole note. Um, if somebody defaults, you can always rent the property. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are probably notes I buy, I'm usually probably at 50% loan to value. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, or investment to value, I should say, yeah, that's the case. If you have a $100,000 house, and you've only got a $50,000 investment, yeah. you have to ask yourself, even in a slow market, it might take me a while to sell it. But yeah. you know, somebody like yourself might buy it yeah. and do a turnkey on it and boom, you're out, or some other note investor might buy it. Mm-hmm. So there's several different ways that you can get um, out of these. I like the fact that uh, I can generate income um, without the hassles of, of uh, being a, a, a landlord. Uh, a lot of my clients like partials. The yields mm-hmm. on partials are a little bit lower, yeah. but it means that, that um, I get a very good return because I get the tail end of the payments. Yeah, yeah. If it's a 25-year note, I sell the first 10 years. I mm-hmm. basically, for a, a relatively modest investment myself, get the payments on the extra 15 years. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty amazing. That's I like pretty it. amazing. When I first went and learned about the notes business, I thought that was that was phenomenal that people would actually take a, a series of payments. And, and so they have obviously the whole loan, let's say 30-year loan. And then they would just carve out and say, okay, well, I'm going to sell these the first 10 years to to somebody else and then i'm going to keep the last 20 years and i thought that was that was so creative and so so different than um you know than any any other kind of business and uh, and people don't realize that that you can just go and carve out a portion of your of your payments and then sell that there's a market for selling that uh a portion the partials of, uh, of a note. So I thought it was very interesting. Right. And you mentioned earlier that a number of your clients and listeners uh, have a regular W-2 income yeah. day job. And notes is something that you can get into slowly. Um, mm-hmm. I jumped in f- full feet first because uh, I had the ability to do that. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to, I'm in my sixties now. I didn't want to start something brand new. I had 70 people working for me in my, my wow. mortgage company. And yeah. um, I don't need that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I can do this with yeah. um, a couple of uh, uh, virtual assistants uh, and things like that. And a number of my clients, quite frankly, mm-hmm. are people who have come to me they have regular day jobs. They want to transition out of those. Yeah. And usually what I tell them, it's about a three-year transition period. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 
they can learn from me. They'll do a, by a partial for me or something like that and sort of learn the, learn the ropes. Yeah. Uh, and then I always suggest actually that you get some training. You go mm -hmm. to note school or one of the other different groups that will give you some training because um, even though it costs you upfront, you, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And I'll give you just a really quick example. Uh, paper stack is a good exchange to yeah. go to. Um, there's a lot of, it's, you have to be careful of what you, what you get there though. And yeah. a, a um, doctor client of mine who thought he really knew how to invest in notes very well uh, came to me and he said, Richard, why should I buy something from you and only get an 8% return or whatever it was? He said, paper stack will sell it to me to a 13. Yeah. Uh, and I said, all right, let's get online. We both went online, both looked at it. And I very nicely told him that it was a very nice asset, but it was in a city that had a 20% poverty rate. He had no exit because nobody was going to be able to buy it. Yeah. Uh, as long as his client was in or his borrower was in there, that was great. Yeah. So yes, it was a 13% deal because there was no exit. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so you have to learn that kind of stuff. You have to yeah. know how to, how to get to that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you still need to understand the real estate piece of it. You are in, in fact, I mean, you're relying on that piece of real estate to, to support your loan. It's you have to act as if you're investing. And that's what you called it at the beginning is that your note is really the amount you put up is really, you are investing in that particular property. And, um, so I think you need to understand the market that it's in, the, the condition and all of that. And what kind of, what's the value of that building if you have to uh, foreclose on the house and sell the property, how long is that going to take? Yeah. And there are lots of, as with anything, there's lots of tricks in the trade. There's, there's yeah. lots of tricks that, that uh, I mean, you focused your practice on four very distinct cities and you have crews that can do the flips and that's the way to successfully do that. Mm -hmm. uh, in my instance, um, I try to look at uh, buy notes on houses that have overlapping economic areas. What do mm -hmm. I mean? So let's say you've got city A and city B and they've both got 20 mile radiuses where people can work. Well, I want to work in the, I want to buy something that's in the convergence of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, and another thing I'll say is, is um, I, I'll look at a note and I'll say, or a house, and I'll go, how far is it from a Walmart? This mm -hmm. is just called the Walmart yeah. rule. Well, yeah. why would that make a difference? Yeah. Well, because Walmart is not going to put facilities. They have only closed out of all of their facilities. I think they've only closed like five yeah. in, the, in the U.S., they do very extensive market studies. Exactly. So they yeah. can tell you about the economic viability and yeah. Home Depot of yeah. that area. If mm -hmm. there's no Walmart within 10 miles, think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I mean, they do extensive research because they're going to put a significant amount of money and investment in that facility. Um, so, I mean, employees and ramp up and, you know, change their, their supply chain and all that kind of stuff in order to, to open that, that store. So, yeah. So if you can align yourself and your strategy with, and it works and it makes sense, align that with a big player like, like Walmart, uh, and rely on their, their study, uh, in order to uh, to help you find the right city, the right locations for you to invest. That's I think that's a very smart strategy. Yeah, and if you're lucky enough to, 
either be close to or to live in an area that's fairly a low cost area. You and I are both in California. Mm -hmm. So I don't do a lot of note business. I do some partial business, but I don't do a whole lot of business in California because it's very difficult for me to say to you or one of your clients, Eric, would you like to buy an $800,000 note? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't work. <laughs> uh, as you know, outside of Akron, Ohio and Indianapolis, and I've got some, uh, uh, notes in markets that you're in St. Louis yeah. and around. Yeah. You can buy a nice little house for a hundred thousand dollars. It's got yeah. an $80,000 mortgage on it. And, um, they make nice little investments. Yeah, no, I think that's just very good for me. Like I, I actually looked at doing that for our houses and basically buy notes on properties exactly in markets, uh, that where we're in. Uh, and I also talked to other notes investors too, that were, were buying basically non-performing notes, uh, what even performing notes, but they were investing in notes in, in Memphis and Cleveland. And I said, well, if you ever have to go and def uh, you have a, they go in default and you have to foreclose on the property, I, you know, just give me a call and I'll just, I'll just buy, buy the property, uh, from you for, uh, as long as, you know. It all makes sense for me as well. But yeah, I mean, I was all open, open to that. So, um, so that made a lot of sense for, for me as well to kind of go in there. We know the market very well. If you tell me this, this is the house that has a note on it, and this is where it's located. I know exactly what the value, what I can sell that value, that house for. So there's no hesitation on my, on my part. And um, so the, the next question is kind of like, you know, it's, it's more like the economics of the notes and how it works. And so, right. So if you're very familiar with the market or get familiar with the market, I think this is good. You're doing it nationwide. So that must be that must be a little bit more tricky, but you have a lot of experience behind you. Um, but somebody that wants to get into the notes business and build a nice little portfolio to diversify from single family rental and other types of investment that they might have. Uh, what kind of, uh, do you recommend that they should stay in their backyard or is there some states or uh, metropolitan areas that you think would, uh, you would be a good place to start for new investors? Well, the first thing I would do is I would say, get some training. Mm -hmm. you know um find out find a reputable person there are uh, a few new traders out there that unfrankly or frankly are not all that reputable so do your due diligence mm -hmm. um buyer beware but once you have done that yeah i think it's easiest to do something that's sort of in your backyard if you if you can or or close to i have um <laughs> it's funny how different clients want to buy things yeah. Uh, I have one client who lives in Atlanta and uh, he wants to buy notes that are within driving distance mm -hmm. because he likes to hop in his car with his wife on Saturday, oh, yeah. you know, and they go and they visit all the different houses that um, yeah. they own notes on. And it's just fun for them. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're getting decent returns. Um, some people say, well, if I live in the Midwest, um, I want to be totally diverse, meaning I want something in Indiana, something yeah. in Ohio, something in St. Louis, because if a hurricane comes through or whatever, they don't want their whole portfolio wiped mm -hmm. out. Yeah. Yeah. I've got another investor in Ohio who only wants Ohio notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it depends on your, but I, but I would say it's easier if you live in an in area outside of California 
or I shouldn't say that it shouldn't be too broad with California. The Central Valley is a very yeah. good place, much lower cost. You can do it. Yeah, yeah, time. probably. Yeah, like Fresno and stuff like that. And yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, the, so, so you brought something up as well. When you own a house, typically you would have insurance on it, uh, and then you find there's a well, natural disasters often are not covered, but. Uh, you know, something happened, burns down and all of that, and your asset is protected because you have insurance. Uh, but when you, uh, when you own the note, I mean, you're kind of removed from that. So how do you ensure or that that person is, uh, is by, is, has the right level of insurance to protect your asset? Okay, so your servicer, and I, I will suggest that everybody use a mortgage servicer, don't try and service these mm -hmm. yourself. Um, should require, uh, should pull the insurance uh, every year mm -hmm. and you have to be named as a beneficiary yeah. on that insurance. Now, you can only obtain insurance for the mortgage amount. You can't mm -hmm. obtain insurance for anything in, in addition to that. Yeah. If they don't do that, there's something called forced place insurance, which mm -hmm. you force it upon them. You have to pay for it during the term yeah, uh, but um, it's usually not too expensive, frankly. Uh, and in the case it burns down or something like that, no pun intended, it's yeah. good insurance. Yeah, yeah. So another good uh, good point here: note servicing. Um, so you know, they it's it, it may seem easy that you're just going to get a check for the payment of uh, of the mortgage and that's it. But there's a lot of the other requirements that are needed in terms of preparing statements and stuff like that for. Um, for the uh, for the borrower, and also um, you know, like there's tax things that you have to to report. There's all there's all, a whole bunch of other stuff that you need to do, and there are services out there called note servicing uh, companies, and then they're basically going to handle all of that. They're going to have like direct payment method. They're going to send you a statement. It's kind of like a property management company, but for your notes. Um, yeah. Except very, there's no toilets, nothing. <laughs> right, and they and they specialize in. I mean, a lot of these groups actually were uh, when the recession came along, uh, when uh, groups like Metropolitan what whatnot got rid of all of their their housing because mm. of the recession. Yeah, there was a lot of people in a lot of these servicing departments and things like that. They didn't have jobs, so they mm -hmm. started their own companies. Mm -hmm. So you've probably got a dozen of these companies around the country that yeah. are, do a very good job at mm -hmm. servicing these notes. And you're right. They do have to be CFPB compliant. There's a lot of things you can or can't say to the borrower. Mm -hmm. um, I can't call them up and say, what's your credit rating or anything like that. So it's costs vary, but it's uh, very worth your while to have a servicer in place. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, the other thing is, um, so what I've done also, I mean, I'm talking about creatively using using notes. Uh, personally, I have done a few houses. I probably did like uh, six, six or seven houses on seller financed. So basically slash installment sale, um, basically having putting a note, selling the, biz, the, uh, the single family rental to an investor and then putting a note on it. And then they're, they're paying me for the note because these, these investors, they didn't have uh, W-2 income, uh, but they had other sources of income that, was, uh, that made sense. And then obviously this was our property. We were intimately 
uh, knowledgeable about the property, the tenant that was in there, and the level of renovations that had been done. So it was that was a, a good way for us to kind of like recoup at least some of our investment dollars into that property, um, and then kind of put it to to the next house and stuff like that. And yeah. uh, you bring up a good good point, which is uh, somebody can in their own backyard, mm -hmm. and I would suggest doing that. Go out and buy a house, renovate it, and sell it with and carry back the note and then mm -hmm. they've as you just said have done that for themselves that's mm -hmm. that's a nice little way to build up some long-term cash flow and and avoid immediate tax hits yeah especially if it's uh especially if it's an investor i think if it's um if you're selling it to a, a person that's actually going to be an owner occupied somebody that's going to move in i think you in some states you're required to go through a mortgage uh, a mortgage broker or something like that or uh, i forget what it's called but it's a mortgage underwriter there's cases, there's yeah. uh, there's one one group in particular that i know of that will do just that for you for mm. i think it's 450 dollars or 500 dollars. they will underwrite the borrower for you and say mm. do you want to make a loan or not and again mm. it's compliance yeah, and they are completely compliant when they do that. Yeah, exactly. So that was that was a, for us as an uh, since we're selling to investors, then we kind of like bypass all of that. Uh, so there's no need, there's no need for that at all. So that that was very good. Any other kind of uh, use of of notes that could be beneficial for someone who wants to uh, build a portfolio? Uh, they may not have all the um, you know, they may not have a W-2 income, they may not, but they need to have other people's uh, money uh, in order to uh, to achieve their goals or to invest and stuff. Uh, is there any way that anything that you would recommend in terms of kind of like using notes as a as a way to uh, to bring more money to them to uh, to invest? Yeah, a lot of my clients um, use their self-directed IRAs. Mm -hmm. So let's say you have a W-2 uh, uh, person and they've got a 401k. Mm -hmm. They can move without any penalty, uh, pour all or a portion of that 401k to a self-directed IRA and then use it to invest in notes. Mm -hmm. um, you have to remember that, let's say you buy a note at a, an 8% yield. I'm just pulling that out of the, the air. Uh, if you sell a portion of that note to somebody else, that's going to increase your yield significantly, even if you only sell three or four years of that. Yeah. So you can do that in tied your self-directed IRA or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you can do it with a small group. You can do it in form an LLC with uh, a number of your business associates. Everybody throws in $20,000 or whatever, mm -hmm. and then it, it grows. Uh, one thing I tell my clients is that if you can buy a number of notes, so let's say you buy um, five notes, $250,000 investment, so $50,000 a piece. Yeah. Um, even if you only get a 6% return on those, yeah. if you reinvest that money, so you don't take any of the proceeds out, yeah. um, and you um, reinvest it, you will find out that within about 21 months, you can buy another note and then yeah. 18 months, buy another note, uh -huh. 17 months, 16 months. Over a 10-year period, you will have about 13 notes. Wow. At that point, you will be generating close to twelve or $13,000 a month income. Wow. Wow. But also will have more than doubled your yield and doubled your principal.
Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't want to sell those all at the end of 10 years. Um, in my example, yeah. uh, I just used that cutoff horizon uh, mm-hmm. for analysis sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a it's a very attractive uh, way to invest in those. Yeah. And I think it's a good way to diversify as well from, um, you know, from single family rentals or multifamily rentals. And have uh, have on the side another another type of investment that uh, is also passive income that's coming in. So I think that's a very good way to uh, to manage your uh, your funds and invest. I think. Correct. All right. Uh, so Richard, uh, it was a pleasure. Uh, so before we wrap up, tell uh, our listener kind of like where they can reach you. Uh, and I know you're also that we haven't really talked about that too, but you also still do hard money lending. Um, so if people are, they're looking for funds for projects and stuff like that, I'm sure you won't mind if they contact you. So, but my question to you is like, where, where can they contact you? Where can they, they find you and, uh, and talk to you want to learn more, uh, and maybe get some loans, uh, hard money lo- loans. Okay. So thanks very much. So, um, my 800 number is 800 508 5212. That's 800 508 5212. My website is www.amnotecap.com. Yeah. Yeah. You can schedule a meeting with me through the, the, the link on there at any time. Uh, and Or you can email me at richard at amnotecap.com. Okay. Do you do any kind of like mentoring or coaching as part of your? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, um, some associates and I, uh, thank you very much for asking about that, uh, are just completing a course of study okay. that uh, will walk you through the entire uh, process. Uh, and it's going to probably run $1,200, $1,500, something like that. So it's not too expensive. Yeah. But it, it's, a, it's a very good primer. Uh, mm-hmm. You can also go you, to my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, just go to YouTube and put in American Note Capital. I have a series of nine videos that run 10 to, uh, I guess it's eight to 12 minutes a piece. So they're easily digestible. Yeah, And that gives you a very good feel for, uh, for what's required. It's nothing fancy. It's just me sitting at my desk talking. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's just good, solid information. Okay, great, great. And with that, would that be enough information, or you still uh, to to get started, or would you recommend still to take like a, a more in depth course from um, some of the the the, cor- the, the training? Yeah, you, I think you still it. need it. It's that's a good. It's a good way to get started. You still need more information. Okay, excellent. Well, Richard, it was a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, I hope uh, our listeners are going to go and reach out and then learn more at least about uh, the notes business and uh, at least watch your videos and see uh, what it's all about. So thank you very very much. Thanks very much, Eric. I really enjoyed this. And uh, uh, if anybody needs anything, just give me a call. I'm always willing to just help out and not not sell anything. So yeah, excellent. Thank you, Richard. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martell. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.